Let's uh, bring in our distinguished guest, Jim Urio, director of TJM Institutional Services, Chicago's leading restaurateur, and Jeff Kilberg, chief investment officer at Sanctuary Wealth and Notre Dame's finest graduate. All right, gentlemen. Um, Jim Urio, let me start with you. What does this mean, this jobs report, which was surprisingly strong, what does this mean for Federal Reserve policy? Looks to well, me like they're going to have to, you know, the idea. Some people in the market, the idea they're not going to raise rates in September. Yes, they are. They're going to raise rates by seventy-five basis points in September. I don't know why the, the Fed fund futures market is pricing in a drop in Fed funds next year. I don't believe any of that stuff. But you tell me, what's going on here? Well, so when I when the Fed funds market disagrees with me, I always tend to go and say, where am I wrong? What am I missing? The fact that the Fed funds market right now is pricing in a 70% chance of a 75 basis point move, which shifted from a 75% chance of a 50 basis point move just before that number printed on Friday. But the fact they're saying that there's 0% chance of 100, to me, seems kind of silly. Um, after we saw that print, which was undoubtedly a good number, and I don't mean to be one of these guys saying, but, 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 I mean, there are some things, there's some clouds also. Just in the last week and a half, we saw uh, a job reduction at uh, Oracle, Amazon, Walmart, Geico announcing laughs. So there's, I'm confused by the number. However, the stocks got hit after the number. The, uh, the premise was, well, the Fed's going to have to be a lot more aggressive. But that number by itself is completely immaterial when three days later we have the CPI number. As a matter of fact, if that good number, the solidly good number, comes with a much lower than expected CPI number on, I think it's Wednesday, um, then it should be stock market positive, meaning what the Fed is doing is working. If it comes in com- combined with a CPI number that just drops marginally, I think it's neutral. But if, if that CPI number is higher than expected on Wednesday, coupled with that strong job market, that could mean the Fed is going to shift into another gear. And that's when I think another um, another real plunge in the stock market could happen. I actually, that's not my base case. My base case is that it comes in better than expected. Larry, if we were playing a drinking game, Larry, and I took a sip every time Yurio said, but I'd be laying on the floor right now. <laughs> I try to use small words when I'm on with you, Jeff. <laughs> but wait a second. What is the consensus on the CPI number? Uh, 8.6 with a 1.1 month over month, 8.6 year over year. So it's the month over month that we're looking at. Even if it, I believe, even if it came in zeros the rest of the year, the month over month, the year over year would still be six. I might have some of those numbers wrong, but that part you know can't drop that much. So we're looking. So 1.1 month over month, we we need that to be lower for me to think it's a good number. Well, but lower. consider this, Jeff Kilberg. Um, Whatever. So if the C- gasoline prices fell in July, so you're going to that's going to pick up. It's going to help the CPI. The month over month number is going to be a much smaller number. For all I know, it could be zero. Right. But the 12 month change is still going to be well over eight percent. The Fed's target for inflation is two. So I don't understand how the, the bond market can be until yesterday. The bonds were rallying, interest rates falling. I mean, the 10 years come down a lot in the last few weeks. I, I don't understand what the market is thinking. I mean, inflation is going to be a difficult problem well above the Fed's target for another year. And they're going to have to raise the Fed funds target rate above the inflation rate. You know, this BS about the neutral rate, I mean, 
Jay Powell said this. I mean, he should really keep his yap shut. They should all keep their yap shut. All they do is confuse and mislead. The idea that 2.5% Fed funds rate, which is more or less where it is now, is a neutral rate is nonsense. It was neutral if the target was – if the policy got it down to 2. It's not 2. We're not going to see 2% inflation for uh, who knows, several years, many years. I don't know. I mean, that's what I don't understand right. about the market. I, don't, I think the market is, is irrationally exuberant. How's that? Well, Larry, you bring up a great point. And the Fed absolutely moved the goalposts. They moved the goalposts years ago when they were creating inflation. That's not talked enough about. But here they are with inflation, completely runaway inflation, the highest we've seen in 41 years. So to your point, yes, that CPI data, the biggest contributor for the month of June was certainly gas prices in that number. But it's interesting. You guys were giving me a really hard time last, we were on, last time we were on together about being too bullish. But we've seen a 15% bounce in the S&P 500, when in my opinion, we had peak pessimism coupled with peak inflation. But to your point, I think we have a focus right now on this Fed path policy. It, it's almost like a bipolar, bipolar view we have of the Fed. Because we have to remember the velocity they injected when they were so accommodated with their balance sheet of nine trillion dollars right around Christmas time. Then they flipped and got hawkish. They went from one and a half percent and three and a half percent. And where my focus is, and for all your smart listeners, I think the real understanding is bond market leadership. I go back to where I cut my teeth in the Chicago Board of Trade and the thirty-year futures pit. When you look at the the futures pit, it really gives a better understanding. And what happened in the month of June when I, in my opinion, we had peak pessimism? And peak inflation, we saw the 10-year note go up to 3.5%. That was an oversold condition of futures prices, which is inversely related to the yield. Now we've seen yields come back. They've tucked back under. They sold at 282 on the week, but they were back under 275. I think that's really critical and allowed a short-term healing. I'm not saying we're out of the woods by any means, so I'm not going to be overly optimistic. Explain to me, explain to me. Yes. A two-year note. Is three twenty three? I have it. So call it three and a quarter. Explain to me the value of a two year note at three and a quarter in a period where the inflation rate is eight plus. Huh? Really? That inversion. You're getting killed. Simply not sustainable. Real interest rates are so negative. I wouldn't want to buy a. I mean, I'll buy. I will own stocks for the long run. Why would I own a bond when my real yield is like minus five percentage points? Correct. And I know Uriel likes to wear the Captain Obvious hat, but let me borrow from him for a second. Captain Obvious here is that the Federal Reserve has manipulated the bond market to such an extent that they're in quite the conundrum. So here they are. They own one-third of all 10-year issuance. So they have to figure out that, yes, this yield yield curve of 41 basis points is problematic, but it's not sustainable, Larry. Jim? So can, I, can I weigh in on that a little bit? Because I, I took a little catnip while Jeff was talking there, but I'm, I'm feeling a little better now. So the, <laughs> the fact that the two years there. I love you, Uriel. You know I love you. <laughs> the fact that the two years where it is, it has to me it has to be saying that part of this inflation, I hate to say this, by the way, that a, a bigger part than we think is supply chain related. And we've seen some of that begin to heal itself in a very, very minor way. And I think that the market still keeps telling itself that this is all going to be over soon. And guys like you and guys like me until recently were saying, I wouldn't be so sure that a lot of that's entrenched. A lot of people don't even understand what it means when inflation starts to dissipate. That doesn't mean the prices are coming down. Inflation is a rate of change. I think a lot of people I talk to are like, geez, one of these prices is going to come down. The answer to that is never. 
But the, the supply chain could be healing itself soon. The break-evens have gone from – the five-year break-evens have gone from 3.6 to 2.6 in a relatively short period of time. You mentioned gas and oil coming down, but I can extend that to copper, to lumber, to a lot of different uh, commodities, you know, traded commodities. And, again, they come down based on market position as much as they come down on an actual fundamental change. The fundamental change has to be small, and then all of a sudden the, all the longs start to sell. But I think we could see some better news on inflation in the next couple months i don't want to own a bond well that makes sense i, I do not want either. to own a bond i still think the stocks are the place to be and i think if the s&p settles above 4250 and again i bring technical analysis into it as well and that's not just voodoo lines on a chart for the people who are listening it's just it's the momentum and the psychology and i think if the s&p can settle above 4250 which is a little bit from here i think it's a it's green light full steam ahead so you're buying the market you're buying stocks right. Yeah, well, not quite yet. I, I need a little bit more confirmation. I have started to buy. I posted that yesterday, a thing on Twitter, just because people were, were misinterpreting that jobs number as meaning that the Fed is going to be gangbusters. And it, it probably does, but it might not. And we were a little too knee-jerk, I think. Larry, if I could jump in for one second. I know you're not buying a bond, and I'm adverse because the fixed income market has been decimated all year long. But I think across the globe, you look at the German 10-year boom at 94 basis points, I think our 10-year is attractive at 282. And that's where I think you're getting some buyers come in after just a high-velocity, very scary first two quarters of 2022. But to Larry's point, what Jeff's saying is that you buy it then on appreciation, not on the rate. Larry doesn't want to have it for the rate because the rate seems stupid. Oh, correct. If you can make an argument that the, that the world's coming in to buy our bonds because of an attractive relative basis, that makes some sense. That's what you're saying, right, Jeff? Yeah, I have my trader hat on, 100%. Okay, good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, great. So I'm gonna, you guys are going to put me in a bond that's yielding three and a quarter with an inflation rate <laughs> Jeff is, of eight not me. and a half. All right, I don't. And you get you a know, free cheeseburger from Uriel's restaurant with I that. Mean, yeah. This is like Chicago math. What is this here? <laughs> no, what kind of arithmetic yeah. do you guys have in the Midwest? I don't understand this. That's Jeff, not me. Uh, I agree with you. Well, I where, wouldn't be where, touching bonds. Hmm. And look, just to tilt quickly in the earnings, I mean, you look at last week, 80% of the companies so far in the S&P 500 have reported better than expected results. So I want to be in stocks, Larry. I like these essential blue chip tangible names. We have seen a little bit of a move higher in the NASDAQ name. You've seen recovery there. But I think with that really strong jobs report of 528,000 jobs, I think that NASDAQ 100 may cool because the 10-year note is going to gravitate and float back up to 3%. All right. We've got to take a, we got yeah. to take a quick break. Um, Jim Muriel, let me go back to um, before the jobs report. Uh, looked to me like Wall Street was anticipating that recession. I mean, after all, the first two quarters of 2020 were negative. Maybe revised, but they're negative. So it looked like a recession in the first half of the year. But recession brings down interest rates uh, because something called demand destruction was going to reduce inflation. Now, two questions. Let's deal with the first one first. Does the jobs report yesterday take recession off the table, Mr. Uriel? I thought – you know, that we were in a recession, you know, back, back, and I learned in business school before people started changing, it was two quarters in a row of negative growth. We saw that. Um, the jobs number was 
like I said to start this off, was confusing. But I will throw in some other things. Small business optimism, their future conditions component of it, all-time low, 48 years, uh, in the 48-year history of that, of that series. Um, the yield curve, twos versus tens, went to negative 47 basis points yesterday. Now, when you see that deep of an inversion. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be commensurate with a deep, deep recession, but what it does mean is the recession is closer than you think historically with that sort of, and now I think it went back to like uh, 40, negative 40 basis points. So I, I do think the recession, I, I thought the Fed was going to pivot in September. I've told you both guys that several different times. I think I'm wrong on that by about a month, a month and a half. I do think the Fed's going to pivot closely on this year, and I know you disagree with that. You said it before, but I, I do think a recession's coming. I think we're in a recession. I mean, you can get a good jobs number or two, um, but I don't think that changes the story. Yeah, but then how do you balance that you said they won't be ever, ever, because you think inflation is too entrenched for them yes. to ever be lowering rates? Okay, Look, I get it. You're, I mean, I will argue that the basic inflation rate is not less than 5 or 6%. And I use wages, you know, as a proxy for that. But I think the broad PCE deflator is a proxy for that. And I think the core deflator is a proxy for that. And I think it's going to be very hard to bring that down. Uh, gasoline prices will fluctuate. Um, and I understand commodity prices have sold off 25 35%, although you're still way above the bottom back in the middle of 2020. But I think it's going to be very sticky. I think there's a wage price st- uh, spiral that's embedded in the economy. And I think the Fed's going to have to deal with that. And I don't – I mean, Jeff Kilberg, I'll ask the same question of you. A recession does not necessarily mean inflation goes away. And Milton Friedman taught us 50, 60, 70 years ago, Milton Friedman taught us that monetary lags are long and variable. So the money supply has come down. That's good, M2. The balance sheet, not so much, but we'll see about that. Uh, gasoline prices are off, whatever, 50, 60 cents. But the basic inflation, which has covered the whole universe, the whole constellation of prices, um, you're stuck. You've got a tough inflation story that's going to go on for a year or two or more. See, I'm in the camp, Larry, and I'm going to push back a little bit. I'm actually going to agree with Yurio. Yes, your listeners heard that right. I, I think the technical recession, we can check that box of two consecutive negative GDP quarters, but I don't see a recession. I'm fortunate enough, I crisscross the country visiting my sanctuary wealth partner firms. And every town I go to, from Austin to Walnut Creek to New York to Short Hills, New Jersey, I don't see a recession. But you bring up a great point about inflation. However, the camp that I'm in, Larry, is I think ref- we will see inflation abate quicker. I think it's all about velocity. And that's the one thing that I don't think we really appreciate as investors and traders is the velocity that the Federal Reserve has injected into the marketplace. So when you talk about the way they moved their balance sheet from four and a half trillion post pandemic to nine trillion dollars, we're not really reducing that. Mm. Yeah, I know they're talking about ninety five billion starts in September, but they're not really really going at it. And that's where I think Powell's a bit of a chicken hawk. Yes, he's hawkish. Yes, he's trying to combat inflation. But the fact of the matter is that they have nearly an $8.5 trillion balance sheet. By the end of 2023, I still think we're okay. And the recessionary data points, if you look in a midterm election year, more importantly, we look in the year after, going back 85 years, Larry, that subsequent year after a midterm election year, the S&P 500 return is 15.1%. Therefore, I'm not in this recessionary camp, at least not until 2024, 2025. 
I think my head is spinning listening to these <laughs> short term. Honest to God, this is like again, this is Chicago arithmetic. I mean, does anybody? Do any of you guys ever look? You know, like a long term view. Sure, but this it's is what it's, average investors look at. No, of course we do. I, I have long term money too, and that's that. When I said that's the forty two fifty to settle above that, that to me will mean that this correction is basically over. And if you look at the la- over the last thirty years, and you look at the length of time this correction's happened, the you know seven months we're into it now, and the depth of it, it seems like it 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 stands out as being somewhat good enough if you take out the you know real estate correction and the and the uh, tech stocks but those were different in that massive massive leveraged positions were built up in assets that I don't see needing to unwind you know what I mean for right. three decades Larry, some people Jimmy buying brings houses. up a great point and I'd love to ask you say that one more time say that one more time Jimmy brings experience. up a great point you heard me <laughs> but it is different this time the Fed Reserve has never intervened or manipulated markets to the extent they have so Yes, the pendulum swings too far whenever the Federal Reserve pushes it, but we've never been here before. We can't really use a precedent on you know, the 210 inversion predicting uh, a recession. Would you agree, Larry? I, by the way, I think the original model is the New York Fed model. It's actually the three-month T-bill in the 10-year, which, yep. is, which is not yet mm. quite, quite inverted. That was the original mm. model. But putting that aside, I would say for long-term investors – we're listening to this show. We're not professionals. You know, buy stocks, particularly buy them on on weakness. Buy the indexes, own all the stock markets. Buy, you know, you're owning America, but don't look at your monthly statement for another two years. Don't look at it because it's not going to be good. Amen. It's just not going to be good. Well, I don't believe the two years part, but I heard Jeff Kilberg say something super right about two years ago. He said when the VIX is at 60 is when you should be buying it. We haven't seen that panic yet. (laughs) Jim Urio, Jeff Kilberg.